Welcome to the Dressage with Amelia podcast, where it's all about breaking things down and helping you learn to love your ride. I'm your host, Amelia Newcomb. These sessions are recordings from my Facebook Live, where I answer as many questions as I can from my audience. I hope you enjoy this episode where I answer your questions about dressage. Please help me out and share this with a friend who also rides horses. Hello everyone, happy Thursday. I hope you guys had a wonderful day. In tonight's discussion, we are going to cover a lot of things. I have some great questions from you guys on Amelia's Dressage Club, which I have pulled up here and I will be answering. Uh, what else? Um, so it was finally warm and sunny here today in California, which was super nice. We had so much rain between Christmas and New Year's. It like literally rained the entire time. And my husband was so lucky because he was in Argentina for 10 days and it literally rained the entire time he was gone. And then when he came back, the sun came back out and it's been really nice weather. So it was nice to like sweat again while I was riding. And the horses were all really good. I try on Thursdays I really focus on my riding more than my teaching and it's nice to just be able to take the time with all of my horses so let's see hi susan and sheila and christine and cindy i hope you all are having a wonderful day oh megan says you're getting a snowstorm joe's from florida cool good to see all of you guys so yeah earlier this week i took my two horses, Harvey and Kensington, and I went down and rode with Yo Hinneman, which is always so inspiring. And I really enjoy riding with him because horses are just such a way of life for him. And he still loves to ride. He still loves his horses. He still loves to teach. And I think that that's really, really important in an instructor is someone that truly loves the horses and loves the training. So that's always really fun. One of my clients today asked me, what did I learn from my lessons? And, you know, it's always about just these fine tuning and these details. So with both Harvey and Kensington, really working on the throughness, working on the connection, always we do tons of transitions and really, really focusing on in the transitions that the horse stays really through and supple. And when your horse is through and when they're using their top line, it's like this amazing feeling in their back and their withers. And there's just kind of this ripple of energy that comes from the hind leg through the back into the mouth. And you have to play around a little bit with, um, you know, making the horse a little rounder, bringing the horse a little up putting them in a little shoulder four. But when you have that feeling of throughness and suppleness with your horse, it's like, it's so amazing. So that's basically what uh, we worked on with Hinneman. So I hope that you guys all were at the goal setting webinar. That was only like Saturday. It feels, I don't know. It's been such a busy week. So let me know in the chat if you set your goals and if you wrote them down and posted them somewhere. So I've been bad 
And I started writing down my goals, but I haven't finished yet and I haven't posted them in my room here. So that's really, really important is that you write down your goals and then post them somewhere that you're going to see them every single day. And yes, it was a really fun webinar to get you guys all pumped up for 2022. And I hope to see all of you guys on this Sunday. I'm doing another webinar on groundwork. So groundwork is so important. I know many of you guys have already signed up for the Dressage Groundwork Masterclass. And I hope that all of you come to the webinar, whether you've signed up already or you haven't yet signed up for the Masterclass. What I've tried to do with the Groundwork Masterclass is make everything in that course, there's a lot of stuff in that course, but very practical and very useful because I love to ride. If I had a choice, I would way rather ride than do groundwork. And I know a lot of you guys are pressed for time and it's like all you can do even to ride, but seriously, groundwork can help solve pretty much all of your training issues. So I posted a survey on the club and I said, what are you struggling with? Contact and connection, throughness, impulsion, straightness, uh, I forget what else I wrote, lateral work, but all of those things you can solve from groundwork. And it's a really good tool, not only to help improve your dressage and to teach your horse like lateral work and to get your horse a little bit more supple, but it's also a really important tool for safety. And I don't know about you guys, but I've heard of a lot of accidents happening recently with horses and a lot of them happen on the ground. So, you know, getting kicked, getting stepped on, and it's really important that you're aware all the time of ground manners and of what your horse is doing on the ground because accidents happen so fast and if you're not on top of little things like your horse pushing on you or biting you or like little stuff like that when something spooks your horse or when things get out of hand that's when you get hurt so come to the groundwork webinar on sunday it's going to be awesome uh, what else was I going to talk about? Okay, let's get to your guys' questions. Let's see. Um, Lola here on YouTube. Hi, Lola. She has a question. If the aid for the canter trot or trot walk is a single suck in your belly to the spine and release, and aid for the half halt, it, an aid for the halt is suck in the belly and hold, then what is the aid for canter to walk? Okay, that's a good question. So we're talking about downward transitions and downward transitions are hard because in downward transitions, you kind of have to think about like keeping the energy up, like pushing your horse forward and at the same time as decelerating because you don't want your horse to go on the forehand and you don't want your horse to get longer in the downward transition. So a lot of times for downward transitions, what really helps is keeping your horse in a little bit of shoulder form. But what Lola is asking about is that if you're going to ride a transition to halt, so like if you're trotting and you're going to halt, you actually do stop your seat because if you want your horse to stop, 
then your hips should stop. So in anytime you're doing a halt transition, you do stop your hips. Now, if you're doing a canter to trot transition, then you do, you have to tighten your seat, tighten your core, put your horse in that little bit of shoulder four, and then kind of shift your hips from going in a canter motion to a trot motion. If you wanna do a canter to walk transition, then that requires several kind of more distinct half halts, where it's more like gather and half halt, half halt, half halt, and then drop your seat into the walk. So it is a little bit more distinct half halts for the canter to walk transition. So hopefully that helps you, Lola. So much of riding is about feel and so kind of experimenting with what works and what doesn't work and that's part of the process. Sometimes you might have halt too strong and your horse might halt when you just wanted to walk. So then you learn from that and you adapt and the next time maybe you don't have halt quite as strong. So hopefully that helps. Okay, let's get to the questions. I posted uh, on Amelia's Dressage Club to ask the questions. I, I was going through old photos, which I include in the groundwork webinar on Sunday and I found some old photos of me roping which is cool I remember when I was learning how to rope it was really hard um, but like anything it's a skill and that's kind of my point I know a lot of you guys feel like you're not very good at groundwork and it's definitely a skill it's something that you have to invest in you have to go through that awkward phase anytime that you're learning something new it's really hard at first because you don't know how to do it and so you have to break it down you have to be disciplined about working at it and then eventually you will learn it and it will be a skill and when you have more skills in your toolbox that makes you a better horseman that makes you a better rider so that you can you know get off and fix something from the ground and keep yourself safe so okay virginia had an interesting question and virginia's question is what advice do you have for picking a good fit with your trainer and i really like this question a couple of things that are really important is that i think you need to work with someone that you really respect and so you need to go and watch them ride. You need to watch them teach. You need to observe how their horses are in their barn, if they seem happy and relaxed. And when you have that respect and admiration for someone, then you can learn from them. So if you have a trainer that you don't respect them and you don't like how they are, how they ride, then it's not going to work out. Now, my other advice that I think is really important is that you need to be a good student. And so you always, I think being a trainer, like I love training and I love teaching, but like anything, it's hard. It's a hard job. You have a lot of um, personalities to manage. You have a lot of horses to manage and horses are unpredictable. And then you have, you know, people with their own issues coming to the table. So it's really important that you're a good student, meaning that you show up in, on time, that you're respectful, that you pay your trainer well. I, 
I remember when I was a kid that I had a trainer named Larry Fleming and he taught me a lot of the groundwork stuff, but my mother would always pay him more than he asked for. And it was such a like small thing, but it really made a difference because it meant that he treated my brother and I differently. He, you know, always spent more time with us. And it was just such a sign of that my mom really valued him and respected what he did for us. And I think that a lot of times trainers are undervalued. And so, yeah, just be the best student that you can be, help your trainer out in any way that you can. And then you have to also be willing to a little bit adapt to your trainer's style. So some trainers are better at riding than they are at teaching. So if that's the case with you, then you need to really sit there and watch your trainer ride and try to learn that way, like by watching and asking questions and getting on and then feeling the horse after. Um, and then doing other things outside of your lessons. So like, like you're doing, watching, asking questions, watching videos, all of that stuff. But yeah, definitely you have to have a trainer that you respect. Um, Okay, let me answer Cheryl's question. How can I improve the halt? My mare always leaves her right hind out behind. But when I try to use more leg, that side she gets uneven somewhere else. Okay, so one of the most important things when you're working on halts is to not obsess over like one hind leg or the other, but you need to really focus on like the throughness and the connection and the, the horses under themselves. So what I mean by that is going like walk, halt, walk, halt, making sure that your horse does not put any more pressure in your hand at all. Like that the contact stays exactly the same, the frame stays exactly the same. And then the feeling like you can kind of get your horse to gather their butt under themselves and really engage and keep their withers up into the halt. And also being able, your horse is more likely to halt if they take a little bit of a smaller step into the halt. So for example, if you're walking and you're gonna halt, if you can make the walk steps a little smaller as you prepare for the halt, it's more likely that your horse is going to halt square than if you just go from like a big strung out walk into the halt. So that's my advice, Cheryl, is don't obsess over like one hind leg or the other because you're right. When you start to fix it, then the whole thing just becomes a disaster. Just focus on the engagement, the throughness and the connection and um, it will get better. You can also, I was gonna try to talk a lot about groundwork today, but you can also work on your halts from the ground. So in the groundwork masterclass, I show like walk, halt, walk, halt transitions, and that can be a really good way to work on getting your horse a little bit more um, square. Okay, um, what else? Oh, Haley has a question. So Haley said that she has a horse that is very insecure with himself and he doesn't like 
being put in a barn or in a stall alone and she's not sure what to do to help it. So this is a tough one. And I was just talking at dinner with my husband about, we were at a horse show a few years ago and there was this horse stable next to us that was having like a complete meltdown in its stall. Like it was running around and digging this giant hole and like totally just sweating and just having an absolute panic attack. And that horse actually had been an orphan when it was a baby. And I think it had some like health issues and they basically bottle fed it. And so it was like an orphan and it thought that people were his herd. So whenever they would try to leave him in a stall, I mean, the horse just had a meltdown. And so definitely there's horses that if, the, if it wasn't right at the beginning, you know, if they didn't have a good childhood that it can really be an issue my best advice is that you have to sometimes horses need to just get over it so you need to find a safe situation find a safe stall you know maybe if they can at least see another horse or touch another horse and just leave them until they get over it i mean obviously it's better if it happens when they're younger because the foundation of any horse's life is super important. So what happens to them between, you know, zero and four is hugely important that those formative years are correct. And in that time, your horse needs to learn coping skills. So they need to learn to, you know, give to pressure and deal with being in a stall and deal with being in a pasture. and. You know, all of those things, it's really important that they get introduced to them when they're young because when they're older and set in their ways, then it's hard sometimes to get them over that. So Haley, it just depends on the situation, how old your horse is. And if you think that, you know, if you, if you put them in a stall, I mean, sometimes you do with horses, you have to just put them in the field and turn your back and say, you know, I hope that you're, you have to hope that their sense of self-preservation is enough that they're not going to do anything really stupid. So, alrighty. Uh, what other questions? Let's see. Jimmy John says, I've come across books talking about weight aids. Can you explain what they are? Okay, that's a good one. So weight aids are basically how you use your seat, how you sit in the saddle. There's a couple of different weight aids that you can do. Probably the most common one is just sitting a little deeper. So, you know, kind of feeling like you're sinking into the saddle and putting a little bit more pressure in your seat, lowering your center of gravity. So that kind of a weight aid would be useful in a downward transition. You can also lighten your seat. So um, like if you like on a young horse, I'll lighten my seat, maybe getting a little bit of a two point and just let the horse canter over their back. Sometimes you do that a little bit in the passage, like you'll come just a little bit off your seat and lighten your seat to allow the horse's back to come more up. 
And then there's also waiting one seat bone or the other. So when you're doing a circle or a shoulder in or a haunches in or a half pass, you wanna wait a little bit more your inside seat bone because that puts your weight over the horse's center of gravity. It's really important when you weight a seat bone that you don't lean your whole body to the side. So weighting a seat bone, for those of you guys that have taken my groundwork, or not my groundwork, for those of you guys that have taken my rider position masterclass, when you weight a seat bone, it's really kind of using your glute knee muscle to put your leg on, like your upper leg on the horse, and that's enough to just scoot your seat a little to the inside and put a little bit more weight in your inside seat bone. But again, it's never leaning to the side. It's just weighting a little more your inside seat bone. So hopefully that helps. All right, here is a question from Catherine about groundwork. So bending and yielding the hindquarters during groundwork exercise. The one where you get the horse walking in a circle, walk towards them, what do you do if the horse does not always cross the back leg over? Sometimes my mare does more of a back leg step together. Okay, this is a good question. So one thing that I have in the Groundwork Masterclass is teaching your horse to bend and yield their hindquarters. That is such an important movement for suppleness. It's also, I think it's funny that we call that like kind of disengaging the hindquarters because you're actually engaging the inside hind leg. So like Catherine's saying, her horse doesn't step forward and across with the inside hind leg when she does that exercise. That's a sign that your horse is a little on the stiff side, so not so supple, and also that your horse doesn't really have enough impulsion. So if your horse is hitting their hind legs or stepping backwards, you're gonna wanna drive them more forward. So you're gonna wanna use like either the tail of your halter rope or your flag to send the horse forward and make sure that that inside hind leg is crossing over. What's really cool about the groundwork, like this exercise, for example, where you're bending and yielding the hindquarters from the ground, is it's the same thing that you do later on when you get on the horse in a turn on the forehand or a shoulder in or a leg yield. You want that inside hind leg to step forward and across the outside hind leg and get a little bend in the body. So good question, Catherine. Okay, Donna has a good question. She said she watched a video about the second trot. What is the second trot? <laughs> okay, this is a good one. If any of you guys have ever gone to a horse show where there's like really grumpy horses, and if you haven't ever had that opportunity, I highly recommend go to a really good show, watch some top riders. And one thing that's really good to do is to watch the warm up not just the show, but go and sit there and watch how people warm up their Grand Prix horses. What you'll notice is that they start their horses trot in like a very normal trot. So if you were to go to the warm up, and I think Totalus is probably the best example of a really extravagant second trot, but his warm up trot, or like how we would trot on the lunge line is a very normal trot. It's like just a pony trot. 
the second trot is that fancy trot where the legs are just flying everywhere. So that is what we see in the show ring is the second trot. And training the second trot is a process. It takes a long time. It takes a lot of technique, a lot of balancing like driving aids and half halt and driving aids and half halt, doing a lot of tempo changes, teaching your horse a little bit the half steps and that is how you develop the second trot. When you have a horse that has a second trot, it's probably the most fun thing that you will ever ride. I had a little mare named Catalina and I, it's kind of a long story, but I started her as a three-year-old. She got sold and then I got her back in training. And she, when she was a young horse, she had a terrible trot. Like she was always like really tense and her trot was just like dee 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 like a little typewriter. And then I worked with some clinicians and we taught her to lift her like front legs and she had in the end when I got her to the Grand Prix she had the most amazing second trot and it was completely different than the trot she started out with. So it's a process. Let me see what other questions we have here. Um, oh yeah, Terry, can you please address leading a horse down the trail, keeping their attention so they don't spook at things like chickens and coyotes? <laughs> okay, yes, Terry, I will talk about that. But for sure, like anything with training horses and also in the groundwork is that you really have to have tools that you practice before you see the coyote or before you see the chicken. So you need to have some tools in your toolbox, like getting your horse to put their head down, getting your horse to move away from you, all that kind of stuff you need to practice beforehand so that when something spooks your horse or when things are out of control, that you can rely on those trained behaviors. I was reading a book about horses brains and because horses are flight animals they basically go directly from they see a stimulus like a chicken or a coyote and they go directly from that to panic and run away they don't really process it so like as humans we see the coyote and first we process it we think like okay how am i going to react to the coyote horses don't do that and so what we need to do is we need to teach them aids to kind of interrupt that so that when their brain goes coyote, panic, and then they hear you say, no, put your head down, then they say, okay, forget it, I'm not gonna panic. But you have to train that reaction before you see the coyote. Hopefully that makes sense. Okay, one more question, and then I better go, um, finish my slides for this weekend. I've been so busy with like the two back-to-back -back webinars with the, um, the goal setting webinar last weekend and then the groundwork webinar this weekend. But I really, I love doing the webinars. I think that they're really inspiring and I love putting together the slides and I love getting you guys all pumped up and excited about riding your horses and improving. So 
I'm excited for the Groundwork webinar. All I have to say is that it's a good thing it rained a lot because I sat in front of my computer and made slides for you guys. So, okay, let's see. Sheila says, when you're doing the suppleness masterclass via CDS, will it be watchable online? Um, yeah, so I'm gonna be doing the, for the California Dressage Society, they asked me to do their annual meeting in Northern California at the end of January, and I'm working on getting permission to film it. So I hope so, but it a little bit depends on CBS. Okay, one more question from Sally. What exercises do you recommend to deal with a head bob in the canter? The left lead canter is okay, the right has a clear bob. He's an 18-year-old Dutch harness Arab cross, currently training third level. Okay, so the, this is a good question. In the canter, the canter is a three-beat gate, and your horse does have naturally a little bit of a nod to their head. So that's why when you're cantering your horse, your elbows are just a little bit bending and straightening because horses' heads do nod because there's in the canter, there's an upbeat when the outside hind leg is on the ground. There's a flat moment and then there's a downbeat. And that's why your seat in the saddle, in the canter, your your butt swishes kind of from the back to the front of the saddle. Now, when your horse is excessively nodding their head in the canter, like when they're like going like this in the canter all the time, that's not a good thing. Usually what causes a head bob in the canter is when they're not strong behind and they're not properly using their hind legs. So if your horse is nodding their head like that in the canter, then I would for sure like get after the, um, the hind legs a little more, do a lot of transitions, and then try to a little bit with your reins, discourage the horse from nodding their head so much. So hopefully, that helps you, Sally. Okay. Um, let's see. Falco says she's going to be at the CDS clinic and she's going to video. Okay. Thank you guys. Yeah. If any of you guys come to the CDS clinic, I guess you could video and post it on the club. I don't know if that's allowed, but maybe. Um, all right. I have a lot to do and I hope to see all of you guys on Sunday. And I hope that you have not forgotten about your goals because those are very important to post so that you keep working towards them and don't forget about them. And yeah, I hope you all have a wonderful evening and enjoy your horses. I think that we always need to be so grateful to have horses in our lives. So give your horse a kiss, give them a big hug, smile, when you're riding, enjoy it, or just when you're around your horse, because that's why we do it after all. And that was one of the big takeaways from the goal setting webinar. One of my biggest quotes that I remember is, no matter how big your goals are, don't forget why you love horses in the first place. So for me, I love seeing Harvey stick his head out when I go to the barn. I love um, just cuddling with him and scratching his neck because he really likes that. So that's really important. And that's it. Have a good evening, all of you guys.
So that's it for this week. Thank you so much for all of your awesome questions. And I hope you learned something new from listening. If you're new to the podcast and you'd like a question answered on a future one, get on touch on Facebook through Amelia's Dressage Club, Instagram at Amelia Newcomb Dressage, or YouTube at Amelia Newcomb Dressage, and mark the question for the live sessions. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you like it, please share it, review it, and tune in again next week. Thanks so much and happy riding.